You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. If you ever want to be more connected with somebody, your kids, your partner, Hmm. your staff, you guys just take some breaths together. It trains uh, the nervous system to say, hey, this seems like a safe space. And you start to co-regulate with the other person instead of, I'm a separate entity, you're a separate entity, and who knows what's going on over there. That was David Wood, founder of one of the world's largest coaching businesses and author of the forthcoming book, Name That Mouse. He joins me today to discuss the power of naming the mice in the room. That is, the seemingly small things that are grabbing at our attention rather than the elephant in the room. We veer into talking about the power of welcoming the things challenging you instead of beating them, and the importance of reorienting to the stories in your head and understanding they may not be about the world. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. David, thanks so much for joining me. Um, You know, we were just talking about it in the green room. We had both sent some different materials that we had prepped for. But uh, when I asked what was sparking you right now, you came up with this other really juicy idea. So we're throwing all of that away and having the conversation, right? And so this is is totally a Boulder, Portland thing to do, right? David's in in Boulder, I'm in Portland. It's like, ah, we did all this prep, but let's do this other thing. So Dave, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. I'm already enjoying meeting you and being on the show. I, th- I appreciate that. Um, so let's lead right into it. What I was really intrigued about what you said. So I'll, I'll paraphrase it and then you correct me on it because that's how this is going to happen. So we talk a lot about the elephant in the room, but it turns out the elephant's not the only thing in the room, right? The only that's animal right. in the room. There's, there's all sorts of other creatures. And I really like that you focused on mice, right? What's the mouse in the room? Um, and so I may have framed that poorly, but tell us a little bit more about that. Cause that's juicy. Yeah. I'm writing a book together with my co-author Shana list and we're launching the Kickstarter campaign in a week. Um, and it's called name that mouse because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. And this came to me because, uh, I was in an authentic relating group and we're training in communication and a woman said, you know, you've just got to name the thing. And we're like, what are you talking about? You've got to name the thing. And she kept on saying, you've got to name the thing. What thing? Whatever's going on in the room. So, for example, Charlie, um, you, I was three minutes late to this interview. You were like four or five minutes late. If you didn't say anything, let's say, you're, you're, let's say it's 10 minutes late, you don't say anything. I'd call that an elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I mean, sitting here for 10 minutes, uh, you get here, you don't even talk about the elephant. It's weird, right? Mm-hmm. We all know about that. But there are so many creatures that are much more subtle in the room. Let's suppose you're only two minutes late mm-hmm. and you're wondering, was, is David annoyed? Is he not annoyed? Is this a thing? Is it not? Should I speak up? Should I not speak up? These are at least two different mice. And the premise of the book is to the extent that we withhold our mice and don't name them, we're more disconnected from ourselves, Mm. 
from others. We have less influence. It hurts our leadership. It hurts our confidence. To the extent that we name our mice, may not even need the other person to do anything. Just, I just want to name, I'm late. Uh, I apologize. I want to check for impact. How is it for you? Did I throw you out? Whatever. That's a leadership move. So that's, that's how the book came about. And I think it really has a potential to change the world because I want this to be mainstream language for adults and kids to say, hey, can I name a mouse with you? And they'll be like, what do you mean? Well, it's like an elephant in the room, but it's much smaller. You know, I just noticed I've got this feeling going on, like I'm feeling a little bit bit tired and like maybe I'm not up for a movie anymore. And I want to check, um, how are you feeling, right? There's an example. Name our mice. All right, David. So I'm, I'm currently in this moment a bit mad at you. And it, it's it's not like a mouse. It's more like a rabbit. It's a little bit bigger than a mouse because now I can't not n- see mice and not name mice. Now I'm going to have to start sending you royalties over that phrase. So damn you. Um, no, because it's really sticky, right? Uh, I'm happy, yeah, I'm happy to hear. And that's why I called it Name That Mouse because I wanted something fun and light for people to start looking at what's the – we don't have that language really in our society oh, I have, a, I have a, a thought right now. I just want to name that thought because then I can mm-hmm. be more present. We don't really have that. Or, hey, I've got this feeling that's going on right now. It's not mainstream for us to just share feelings. Here in Boulder, it is. Right? This is why I came to Boulder because I'll be sitting, I'll be sitting with people on Sunday for 45 minutes. We're not allowed to speak about anything that's more than 30 seconds old. If it's more than 30 seconds old, it's a story, it's gone. What's happening now? And that was really difficult in the beginning because I didn't know what was happening now. I'm not used to looking inside and saying, what are my thoughts? What are my emotions? What are my bodily sensations happening right now? And these things are happening all the time for humans. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a wonderful practice. And for people who don't have that as a practice, this book hopefully will create that as a practice and the and the book by the way we we've identified different types of mice so Mm. there's a there's a self-expression mouse oh i just Mm -hmm. i noticed i'm really excited about the party tonight and i wanted to share that boom that's a mouse um there's a confession mouse hey i Mm -hmm. broke an agreement that we have or i did something i think you might not be happy about and i just want to name that mouse i want to name a confession mouse with you and check for and check for impact. Uh, there's a there's a reality check mouse. Hey, I, I notice I've got I've made an assumption, or I've got a story. Um, you know, someone posted in a Facebook group yesterday something about uh, the leadership here in Boulder, and they and they said something that was a bold claim and it was kind of negative. And I I did a. I was like, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't buy it. And that's a bold Mm. claim. And that's not really fair to the other person if that's not true. So I did a reality check mouse. I'm like, I I have a story that there's more to the story. And I Mm -hmm. want to check that. I want to verify that with you. And and then the person came back. Well, I don't want to embarrass the person involved. So I'm asking that you don't investigate this or take it further. I'm like, wait a minute. You made a bold claim about someone and you're saying, but don't, don't check me on this. 
sounds like a politician of recent prominence. Um, anyway, those are, those are some examples that have been coming up in my life of uh, different types of mice. And in the book, we've, we've written a trailer for it, and the trailer's got beautiful illustrations of different types of mice. Um, yeah. There's an appreciation mouse as well. Yeah. Well, there are a few things, a few threads going on. So, um, you know, we're both coaches. And so we coaches love to come up with, with mental models and mnemonics to help people do things. And so that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm a little envious of you in the moment. Cause now I got to use that one. Um, but you know, I've talked, I think I've talked about it in the book maybe it didn't make that make start finishing, but, um, just when we're looking at the stories we tell ourselves, um, there's that very simple name it, claim it, tame it model, right? If you don't name what the story is, you can and then claim that you have it. So there's a two two part thing that people do. It's like, oh, that's a thing. But then they don't really claim that they believe that thing or that it's working on them. Right. So they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, that's just shame. But it's like, but do you feel that shame? Are you claiming that shame? Because until you claim it, you can't actually start to tame it and do something with it, right? It's not necessarily beat it and overpower, but live with it, work with it. And so that's wow. what I'm loving about the name that mouse is it's like you get to name, like, obviously, if it's an appreciation mouse, hey, I just want to appreciate you. I'm claiming this appreciation. There's no taming that needs to happen, really, because it's 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 being used in that way. But sometimes we have, you know, you know, limiting beliefs mice. I haven't read the book yet, so I don't know what all mice are there. Right. But sometimes we can say, I'm feeling my, the story in my head is this. We know it's not the story in my head, but I always want to catch people. And it's like, well, you've said the story in your head, but I'm curious, is that story in your heart? Because if it's in your heart, then it's doing a lot of work. So it's not necessarily the story in your head that I care about. It's the story in your heart and how that does it. Cause we, as coaches, we know that emotion drives action. Right. Really Ideas like don't this, Yeah, I really like this claim it piece because I don't think most humans, and me included, relate to the world as here are my stories about the world. We normally <laughs> relate to the world as this is how the world is. Mm -hmm. And I love the movie The Matrix because he's living in what he assumes is the world, and then he finds out no. It's all his stories. It's all in his head. And he starts to like see the matrix. So that's how I relate in my most enlightened stage. I enlight relate to the world as these, I have a story uh, that, that you're a, a decent guy. You're a good coach, uh, quite personable. And that we're having an interview. Like that's my story right now. Hey, I don't, I don't need that to be true. Um, but this gets really useful when you start relating with people because we make mm -hmm. assumptions and mm -hmm. we've got stable data and that's great. You, you don't need to touch the hot plate every time to work out if it's hot. Mm -hmm. That's great. So we, we, we have certain things we don't have to assume. I assume this chair is going to take my weight when I sit on it. Okay, that's fine. But when it comes to people, we make assumptions all the time. We don't even know it. So the language we've been using in in Boulder a lot is I have a story. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we say that we're now acknowledging that it may not be true mm -hmm. and, and it may not be serving us. And we have the chance to claim it as, and take responsibility that that's my story. It mm -hmm. also goes 
a lot better with other people when you say that versus, you know, you're a real jerk. If you at least say my story right now is that is my experience is that is that you're being a jerk right now, you know, or I mean, you know, I'm not liking your behavior, but now I'm talking about my experience and not so much about you and the name the mouse book. My hope is that just by naming things, we will start to have more of these discussions. Like, you know, I want to name a mouse with you. I'm disappointed about this thing you did last week. Maybe we find out that that's a story. Maybe you did it for, for, for a very good reason that I'm not even aware of. But if I don't name the mouse with you, we're not even going to find out about it. So it's a doorway. Naming mice is a doorway to deeper connection, mm-hmm. more confidence, and stronger leadership. I'm guessing you picked a mouse versus an aardvark or a bear or some other thing because of its size or because of something. So tell me a little bit more about that. I love the the trainer in you and the communicator in you that's geeking. I imagine is, is my story is geeking out on how this works. Love the question. Um, yeah, it's because of the size. And it's because I was looking for what we already have in mainstream society to relate to. And we already have the elephant. That's the closest thing I could find. We already have the elephant. That's an obvious thing. So once people get, oh, this is like an elephant, but let's go further, there are so many things that aren't as big as an elephant. Like maybe I see the mouse and I don't know if you see it. I I just got a communication from someone that I had a first date with and it went well. And then over the last month or six weeks, there's been very little communication from her. And I've been wondering what's going on, right? So there's a mouse. I'm Mm -hmm. in mystery. And uh, she just wrote to me yesterday and, and said, and she shared some mice with me. She said, you know, I realized I hadn't been in communication with you. So then I felt embarrassed and guilty about that, which had me not want to be in communication even more. So I love that she named that. Now I understand what's going on with her. And she's in that six weeks of radio silence. She's met someone else and, and she started a relationship and she, invited me to share impact, which is a bold move. Like most people won't say, how is that for you? I want to, I'd like to know anything that you want to share around this. So she's given me the option to name some mice and I'm taking some time to sort out, sort through my mice. You know, one thing is disappointment. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel deflated. I feel pride in how I showed up over these six weeks. I feel like Mm -hmm. I really showed up and she didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. and she asked me if I was interested in friendship and right now I'm not, I'm thinking if this is an indication of what being friends with you is like, but I'm, I'm not a fan of putting more time in that direction. Um, so there are a whole bunch of mice that, that I will likely name and then we might just leave it at that. Or maybe it opens up something else maybe we'll come be even more deeper connected out of communicating and relating around what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. which is quite, quite rare, I think, in our society. I just got inspired by that. I just got inspired by even though I have the, the grief and the loss of what might have been a nice uh, romantic relationship, 
I feel inspired about being truly connected with her over what's real right right now. And I, I want that for the world. But yeah, I, I got, I digress. I love your question. The mouse is because we already have the elephant and the mouse is so small. It's so small. People may not see it. We don't know if the other person sees it. That's why we're naming it. Mm-hmm. And I just realized something. And I wonder if we need to make it clearer in the book. Sometimes naming the mouse is all that's needed. And you might want to let the other person know. I just want, see, we don't have that in our society either. I just Mm -hmm. want to name it. There's value in the naming it. If I can name it with you, maybe I can then let it go and be more present with you. I just want to acknowledge it for myself. Oh, this is part of what's driving my behavior. I'm open to you sharing impact and I don't need need you to do anything about it. Like say on a first date, I might say, hey, I notice I'm a little nervous. Now, often people think they have to fix that. I just wanted to name it. You don't have to do anything. I just, you know, I'm okay with being nervous. You don't, I don't need rescuing. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, and you get this because you've done enough public speaking. Like people are sometimes will ask me like, how do you get over the nerves? And I'm like, I don't. (laughs) Right. Um, I just, before I'm about to give a speech, I'm like, oh, there are the nerves again. This happens whenever things like this happen. There's nothing wrong about that. It's just the nerves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get over them in the way people think about it. It's just like, okay, it's, it's there. It's like we, I think people will do things. And I know you have a lot of work about being brave and things like that. But what people mistake is it like somehow we have to make those things go away. We have to make the fear go away. And it's like, that's what if, what if it were like, a pain that you have in your knee, like you're, you're walking up the stairs and you twist your knee and then you got to get on stage. You wouldn't be like, Oh God, my knee, it hurts. It's a sign. There's no existential crisis there. It's like my knee hurts. I still got a job to do. Right. But when it's fear, when it's things like that, when it's insecurity, we add on that suffering and I'm using, using sort of the Buddhist context, right. Where it's like the, the, the pain is what happens. The suffering is the story we add on top of it. Right. When we look at things like insecurity, when we look at things like being nervous, we make we we make it suffering because we add a bunch of story to it. Unlike our knee that we just boogered up walking up the stairs like, ah, boogered up my knee. Okay. now, sometimes it'd be one of those things like you booger up your knee and you'd be like, see, I was rushing and this was what always happens. And, you know, you start making that whole story. Um, But it's like, you know, we're still in the thread of name it, claim it, tame it, because it's like, you know what? I can name. (laughs) That I had that story that I boogered up my knee because I was rushing and this is a sign that I shouldn't be speaking and all sorts of random things that, that will, will accrete to that one event. Or you can say, you know what? I had that story, but that's not really I'm not claiming it. Right. Or I'm claiming, you know, that 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 it is a story, but you can negotiate with it and understand that, um, like in most of the wisdom traditions around the world, you get to a point where you realize you're feeling or your thought is not necessarily something of the world. It doesn't represent anything besides it being a feeling or thought. Right. And you can say, I feel scared and it's not a normative claim over your character. Right. I'm scared. Okay. I'm also heroic. I'm also brave. I'm also all these other things, but it's only when we go from that, I'm scared. Therefore something's wrong with my character that we start on these loops that don't work for us. 
Yeah, I just, I love that. I just realized that this book is about awareness. Awareness is the first step. So we hide things from other people. We also hide them from ourselves. And once we become aware, let's see, if, if I don't, if I'm not aware that I'm afraid going up on stage, then it's in my subconscious, it's in my system, and I, and I might be uh, at some level resisting it and thinking it's a problem. If I can become aware of it, oh, whoa, wait a minute, there's a mouse. I'm going up on stage to be with people and I'm terrified. You know, probably feels bigger than a mouse. Um, once we're aware of it, then we get the opportunity to name it. That's the next mm-hmm. step. Am I going to name it? And if I name it, and I will sometimes do this on stage, I'll go up on stage and say, okay, just want to acknowledge my nerves welcome them here to the space. Now, the next step is, are we going to welcome it? And maybe that's your version of claim it. Mm -hmm. Am I going to fight this thing? Is this this a problem for me? Or am I going to welcome it? And the naming, I think, is a way that we can just say, hey, I'm just just naming it. It's okay that it's here. And my my co-author, Shana, just did a video for the Kickstarter, and she talked about welcoming her mice. And so then the awareness is the first step. The second step is now, am I going to artfully name it with someone? And there are ways to do it artfully and there are ways to do it badly, but am Mm -hmm. I going to name this mouse? And in naming it, can I welcome it? Can I let them know that I'm welcoming it? I'm not in distress. I don't need this to be saved. Just want to name it. I'm like, say I'm on stage. If I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm really nervous right now. They might think I need rescuing. But if I say, I just want to name that, I find I'm more present present once I've done it. Hi. Yeah. Now they know I'm, ju- I'm actually welcoming it. Um, what I did in my last speech is I was nervous. I'm always nervous. I said, hey, mm-hmm. one thing I do to ground myself with another human in front of me or a team I'm managing or an audience is take uh, one to three deep breaths together. I find it grounds me. Would you be willing to do that with me? And I had them all stand up and we did three breaths together. And then I, okay, great. Let's dive into it. That really helped me. Uh, most of my nerves disappeared. And, and by the way, listeners, that's a great hack for your nervous mm-hmm. system. If you ever want to be more connected with somebody, your kids, your mm-hmm. partner, your staff, you guys just take some breaths together it trains uh, the nervous system to say, hey, this seems like a safe space. And you start to co-regulate with the other person instead of I'm a separate entity, you're a separate entity, and who knows what's going on over there. Yeah, I love that. I also love the welcoming as opposed to the either claiming or taming because I want to acknowledge the though it's got a, a rhyme to it. There is a bit of that masculinity to taming something when it might not need to be tamed, right? It could just be welcomed. It can just be, you know, it can just be present without being used, without having anything done to it. So I love that, um, that it allows for us to reorient to what we're feeling in a way that's not us versus it or us versus conquer. It, It gets rid of all of that language and just says, hey, we're here together. What are we doing? I've, I want to name a mouse with you. Uh, this is be a self-expression mouse. I have goosebumps over my arms and my legs hearing you say that. 
I, I want to double click on that because I think that is so powerful. If, if all people heard was that, that's a way that we can reorient to the problems and to the problems, the things that we view as problems, we can reorient. So when someone comes to me and they say, yeah, I'm second guessing myself and I don't have confidence and I want to, I want to bust that and I want to get rid of all that doubt. The first place my mind goes to is, do you really want to fight it? Because that's one way I can fight it. I can be against it. It's like those signs that say fight war. Uh, so ironic. And I don't know if people really get it. You, well, you, you are being the war against the war. So I say, let's try the, the yin approach instead of the yang. Mm-hmm. We try the yin mm-hmm. approach or the, or the feminine approach. What if you welcomed it? Instead of fighting it, hey, I'm second guessing myself. You could lean into it and say to people, you know what? I might say at the end of every sentence, does that make sense? Because I'm doubting myself. And it's a work in progress, but I'm just trying to welcome it and lean into it, shine some light on it. No big deal. If you hear that, that's what I'm doing. Isn't that awesome that you can welcome it, name that mouse with someone else, and then maybe transform it versus I'm going to squash it. I'm going to not doubt myself at all. I, I don't, I am a fan of fake it till you make it. That can, that can be a strategy but I'm, I'm more of a fan of let's lean into this. Let's welcome these things. And then they tend to shift on their own. In my experience might take a month, might take six months, might take three years, but while that's happening, we're no longer fighting it. And we're just welcoming it. I second guess myself. Hey, I doubt myself. I often wonder if I'm asking for too much, right? Like let's start to realize what the matrix is. Let's work mm-hmm. out our own limitations, our own belief systems. Let's name mice left, right, and center, and then things can start to shift on their own. Absolutely. Well, um, so much going on here. I love the East-West dance because it reminds me, I was talking to a teammate Wednesday, a few days ago, it doesn't matter, recently. Um, and, you know, what I was saying in that moment is like, you know, what we do in the West is, you know, the saying that we have in the West is, you know, don't just stand there, do something, right? Yeah. Whenever we get anxious, whenever it's like there's something gone, don't just stand there, do something. But, you know, a better way of understanding it from the East is don't just do something, stand there, right? Uh, when you're anxious. And so, and the trick is, um, there's no one right answer that determines when you should do which, right? And so, if you understand that, you can, you can say, oh, I'm feeling anxious in this moment. That's the mouse. It might be, you know, it might be just however you're feeling, but then you can sort of respond to that anxiety differently. You can say, you know what? My anxiety does not mean I need to go do a whole bunch of things, right? Maybe my anxiety just means that I drank too much coffee and that's it, right? Or maybe it just means I need to spend more time sitting here being present to figure out what's really going on. And it just gives you a different way of orienting with things. And again, why I like the welcoming language um, is because that's an option for you. Like, hi, let's, let's do it. To get, like, let's, you're here. Let's hang out together. Right. Um, it reminds me of the, um, I was just reading this the other day. Um, apparently I've been reading a lot of Taoism and Buddhism recently. Are you going to quote Rumi? About the, do what? I thought you were, I just, my brain just said he's about to quote Rumi. Now go ahead. 
I'm not about to quote Rumi, but hold that quote because our fan, our, our listeners love the quotes. Um, so, but it reminded me of, I, maybe it is a Rumi and I just am getting it wrong, but the woman that had to um, welcome her demons in or the person that was struggling with demons and fighting, not a Buddha story, um, fighting with the demons until finally the advice was to invite them in for tea. I'm, I'm really, I'm really uh, butchering this right now, but the basic idea was they were struggling with these demons and trying to fight them. And the demons finally went away when um, they invited them for tea, which is our way of saying you invite them in, <laughs> you have a conversation with them, you don't push them away or fight them or make them anything what it is. And turns out the demons stopped visiting um, because it was yeah. never really about the demons. It was about your energy towards them. Yeah, that's 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 exactly it. I've just found I just found it. There's a very short poem called The Guest House by Rumi. Do you want me to read it out? I think Please it's do, yeah. Let's get it. it speaks exactly to this. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Yeah. Man, um, Oliver, Rumi. Yeah. Um, how? Rumi, you get me every time. Um, let's take a drink of water or whatever you're drinking, David, just to reflect on that for just a second. Amen. A woman. Um, how does one follow Rumi? I think you just, I think you just did it. Did you? I just noticed how you just stood there. Hmm. You just stood there instead of just launching into something. You're like, just take a drink of water. Just take a beat and be with that. And I think that's the theme. That's one of the themes of this episode is can we just be there with people? Can we be there with ourselves? Oh, I noticed I got this. I got, I'm tired today. Can I just stand there with that tiredness? And if someone comes to me and says, ah, I'm really sad. And I could jump in and fix it. Yeah. That's, that's what I've learned to do. I'm a coach and a man. That's two things, two strikes against me. So I'm going right? to try and fix it. Can I just take a breath? with that and then maybe go into that a little more. How is that for you? How is that for you? Are you, you know, what's your relationship to that? Are you, are you welcoming it? Is it, is it a problem? Is it a deep sadness and melancholy? Is it just a mild thing? Like hey, we could be with that instead of going off onto something else, which is what, we normally do in Boulder. The last two, three years, I've been discovering something called authentic relating. And it's been such a treat because I do a lot of jumping in and acting and it's been a lesson in more standing and more being with someone in, in whatever's happening. And in fact, they have whole practices where you'll sit for an hour or two hours and just, keep exploring what the, what's that like for someone 
and it, it normally if I say I'm sad, somebody like, ah, oh, yeah, me too. I was sad. I was so, so sad last week. Right. That's what often happens. And so one of my teachers says, we're like billiard balls bouncing off each other. We really want to connect, but we're just bouncing off each other. And it doesn't have to be that way with some simple things that we've talked about today. And I realize that they may take some training and practice, but with some simple things, we really can have a vastly different experience so that other people will go, whoa, that was awesome. Just being around that woman or that, that guy, that felt like a special conversation. I wonder what happened. And it might be that you were just being with them. You might've been naming some, some mice, giving them a chance to name some mice game changer. They'll be like, who was that? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Well, sometimes it's nothing. And that's the beauty of it. Sometimes it's like they didn't do anything. <laughs> right. right? Uh, we're so used to people doing and being and running and responding and nodding yeah. and all those. Whatnot, and they just sat there. Right. Yeah. And this is why you, you, you probably heard some, Go ahead. You ever watch New Girl? The yes. TV show New Girl? Yep. There, there's a character on New Girl who's this old Korean guy. And the old Korean guy, his dialogue is very simple. He doesn't say a word ever. And Nick just talks his ear off. He's like, but she's doing this and this is the problem. And the guy just sits yep. there with this beautiful smile on his face. And Nick's like, you think I should go for it, don't you? You dog, you, you knew exactly what I needed. Oh, you're amazing. Guy just yeah. smiles, just loves him. What a great example of, of what yeah. we're talking about. I remember that because Nick is always like, he's so wise. He's so wise. <laughs> he's so wise. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this reminds me a little bit, David. I, um, someone said something to me on Twitter the other day. And I went to, I, I had a reaction. I was like, oh, I could respond this way. But I was like, you know, I am going to try to read through what this person's trying to do. Like, are they, are they asking me to hear them? Are they asking me to agree with them? Are they asking me to change my behavior? Because my first thought was like, they're telling me I did something wrong and they want me to change my behavior. And I was like, it might not have actually been that, Right. They might have just wanted to have a self-expression mice and that mouse, and that's what that was. And so that lets me respond a different way. That gets me out of my feelings about whatever it is. Like, I'm not gonna blah, 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 and get all I was like, no, okay. If it's just a self-expression mouse, like I say, I hear that. I'll have to do I like and I authentically hear that that's how you feel, right? Um, without that sort of weaponization of sometimes it can happen in language is like, I completely hear how you feel, but that's your reality. And mine is over here. And I actually did not hear that. Like your reality is over there. Mine's over here. I hate that. Right. Uh, but I can say, no, I actually, un I hear you. I hear that you have this feeling and I hear how that impacted you. Right. They yeah. may not have been asking me to apologize or to do anything or to change my behavior. Yeah. You bring up something really important because we started this about, um, we've got our stories of the world versus this is the world. And one of the ways that uh, friends of mine have, have labeled that is this is my world. It's not the world. This is my world. I live in my world. You live in your world. And so once we accept that, we can get curious about other people's worlds. What's your world like? 
today? What's going on for you? I don't have to take it on as my reality. You know, you might be really pissed at me. You know, I could set my stuff aside for the moment and get into your world. What's that like? You know, oh, if I was thinking that, I'd be pissed too. So, and then they talk about weaving shared reality. And that was weird language for me at the beginning. I'm like, what what the hell is that? But if you acknowledge that I've got my world and you've got your world, can we weave a, a common world where we kind of understand what's going on and get on the same page about something? And I mm-hmm. think that's really important. And then something else that came up for me, this is unusual. I've never shared this in, in 200 interviews that I've done, but it came up when you talked about get, being with something and not fixing This is an extreme example. When I was, say, 20 years old, I remember traveling the world and I was having sex with a woman that I'd met on my travels. So we're having sex and she starts crying. And I'm like 20 years old, maybe I'm 19, and she starts crying. So I stop. And she said to me later, I didn't ask you to stop. And that, that was a revelation for me. I'm like, what? You were crying. She's like, yeah. Wow. Talk about a lesson for me. And so that was such a valuable lesson later in life. Since then, if I'm having sex with a woman and she starts crying, I don't assume that that's a problem. I don't assume that we need to stop. I'll check in. What do you need right now? And it Mm -hmm. might be just a beautiful emotion that's coming out and that becomes part of it. And then maybe it morphs and shifts into something else, but it's no longer, uh, no longer do I assume that's a a problem. Yeah. I love that because, um, some people's expression of their intense feelings comes out of their eyes. Right, And that's all it is, right? Um, And how much of our life do we not allow ourselves to experience? Because it might come out of our eyes, or we might get the the shaky quiver lip, right? Or you might feel something. We might, you know, I can speak to you sort of, you know, my my experience as a man. It's like, well, if I experience it that way, I'm going to be weak and vulnerable. And then, and I was like, how much of my, how much of the range of human experience do we not even allow ourselves to experience because of mice? Right. And if we just said, you know what, I'm really emotional right now. Okay. This needs to be fixed. I'm just really emotional right now. Exactly. We, you know, I learned as a kid, crying's not good. Crying's got to be fixed. Um, I've spent 20 years learning how to cry and I'm pretty good at it now. And I love tears. I love them. I spent 20 years not crying and so whenever tears come, I love it. My body usually feels better after a really good cry. I'll sometimes watch a really sad movie just to get the waterworks going. I just thought of a great example of what you're talking about, just naming a mouse when there's emotion. I thought about Arthur Fonzarelli. I've been watching reruns of Happy Days again. And I thought about how the Fonz, even the Fonz, who – you know, you'd think of an icon that's not good with emotion. He would say, I'm getting all misty. Boom. Named a mouse. He'd say it right there. Oh, I'm getting all misty. 
name it right there, boom, and then move on with whatever he's he's doing. That's a classic example. I'm I'm getting all misty right now. That's what's happening. I'm I'm feeling yeah. a lot right now. I just want to name well, it. And and this is where we want to let people know that we don't need mm-hmm. rescuing. I just want to name it. You know. Yeah, I would say in that one, it's it's both two levels of master. If we really want to go into it, like one is that he named it, but then there is the energetic alchemy of taking something that would have been awkward and shameful, and then adding a little humor to it, so that energy can go somewhere, right? Like I'm getting a little misty, right? He may have actually been feeling sad or whatever he was feeling, whatever verklempt he was feeling. He made it, that may have been awkward, but then turning that into humor. Right. So they can still experience that emotion, still go there. Like if you don't acknowledge that you had the first emotion, you don't realize that you have lead that you're trying to turn into gold. You can't ever perform the magic of trying to turn it into gold. Right. Um, And so that's that's the other thing. It's like you can joke about being emotional. Like Erica, like I I remember um, I'm not going to out him, but I was at a. Um, event with Casey Carter um, and there was a dad there who was just, he was so in his feelings in a positive way. Like he was just a great model for Darren. And he's like, Oh, there I go again. Right. And he'd start, you know, getting quiver lip and, and things like that. And it was gorgeous, but also a little funny at the same time. Right. But I was like, that's masterful because it allows him to experience that range and bond and connect with us. And and why I want to pause, I want to pause right here because um just want to acknowledge that what we often forget in conversing relation and relating to people is that some of our urge to sync with people is yes, emotional and spiritual and social and all those things. It's also very primal. We have mirror neurons in our brains that literally want to sync up with what other people are doing. So when you stop and breathe, there's a part of your body and brain that literally says, okay, we're doing this together, right? Um, that can work both for and against us, right? Because when we are wanting and we're intentional about connecting with people, we can do that. But when we're bobbling up our mice and anxieties and things like that, we as a species are incredibly primed on being able to see, oh, someone else is anxious. I should be anxious. They're not acknowledging their feelings and what's going on for them. That's also not safe for me to do. And then we start spiraling off of each other, right? Yeah. So there's a way in which naming your mice, again, you can welcome them, right? So you don't have to tame or defuse. But there's also this element, if we go a little bit young here, of just understanding that it allows you to get everyone off of an anxiety, insecurity, vulnerability spiral, Right. If you if you're the first person, because that person will sync with you and then you'll start syncing with each other. Otherwise, you're going to start the, the other way. And that's just how we're wired. So uh, and I say that, David, because in this work of personal transformation that we do so often, I, I've seen people I've seen learners that beat themselves up because they think it's all of a mental activity and that you can just force will yourself to do things like that without understanding that there's biology that's that's doing a lot of the work both for and against us. Um, And it may not be your fault that you're anxious around someone else that's anxious. It's not a character defect. It's a biological function. Yeah. Once you know that you can do something differently. Yeah. What I hear in that is what you do, what you do impacts others and who you're Mm -hmm. being impacts others so 
you're you're leading all the time, whether you know it or not. You're leading people and impacting people. So we're starting a movement here with the book. And can I provide a call to action here? Because I feel like this Please is do. A, yeah, go ahead. a good time. You know, what What I'm asking you to do is go to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, here's how we're doing the Kickstarter campaign is we've decided to do this as a test of the universe. If we raise $1,500, that's it. $1,500 will take the trailer we've already created for this book. We've got a 20-page PDF with um, with beautiful illustrations of mice, tools you can use right now. If we hit the target or when we hit the target, we'll expand that into a, into a full book that you can get on Kindle or hold in your hands, hopefully. Um, and, and this is a leadership move. You going to the Kickstarter, donating a few dollars towards it, will give you the trailer straight away. Use that, start applying it, because that will ripple out to the world. People will start naming mice with you if you start naming mice with them. Um, and, and the link to that is namethatmouse.com. You got to name that mouse.com, be part of the Kickstarter campaign, and I'd love you to share the Kickstarter campaign. If you love the book as much as I do, then um, this is how you can be part of the movement. Share the Kickstarter campaign, get other people involved. Let's get everybody naming mice. Let's get politicians naming mice. Let's get school teachers and principals and our kids naming mice. I believe that'll change the world. David, I want to express a mouse of appreciation for uh, leaning into the conversation that, that was unplanned and, you know, just walking into it. And thanks so much for joining me today on the episode. Uh, Charlie, this has been such a pleasure. It's, it's made my day. I'm going to share this interview with my co-author. I think she's going to be so buzzed that now we're really talking about this. Um, and I'm so glad to know you. I'd like to keep in touch. Um, you're clearly someone who's done, done, done your work. So I appreciate knowing you. Thanks so much. All right, listeners. So you heard it from David. Naming mice can be a critical way of becoming more self-aware about what you're experiencing and how you want to invite and welcome your experiences to um, be with you and to be fully present to them, but also in relating to other people. So now in the, between now and the next week, I want you to be really paying attention to those mice. And I encourage you, I invite you and challenge you to name them with other people, and most importantly, to name them for yourself. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. 